0: All right, Galatians chapter five, and verse one says, "Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage." A couple things going on in that verse, and uh, one that's been here for some time. This this idea has been on. I preached some and talked about and been on my heart, a study for, for um, some time now, this idea of taking a stand for Christ. Um, one thing we see it throughout the Bible, just as I'm not getting into the details of this today, but one thing throughout the Bible when it comes to taking a stand, sometimes in our Christian circles we think, well, if we're against something, we're standing for it. That's not necessarily true. Most of the time, God told people to stand in the Bible, and yes, somebody was against them, and to stand, or that defense, especially in the Old Testament where it was literal battle, was a stand in the sense of God just said, do it, just stand there. Just uh, Gideon, for example, remember his first battle, um, they they came together, surrounded the enemy, and uh, they just had lanterns and shouted and and, uh, um, and and they didn't fight. It was God that fight. You see that throughout David and and others and Joshua, um, when God gave them a, a command, God said sometimes. God wants us in a position so that we can watch him work in our life instead of trying to figure it out for ourselves. Um, One example, that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They were against the wall. They had no idea what was going on. Brand new civilization. They grew up in slavery. Their entire life was somebody else telling them what to do. All of a sudden, here's freedom. And, oh, we're trapped. What in the world do we do? And God said, hey, there's some lessons you need to learn here. Stand still, watch us. He did give some instruction to Moses, to, and, and, and Moses held out over the water, but, but it, it was God doing the work. And uh, so the, this idea of stand and, and uh, some of my studies are going through and I, I got a lot going on in the background studying the subject, so we may hear some of it often, but, but uh, that, that uh, our liberty comes or our freedom in the Christian life comes from doing it God's way. Sometimes we get the idea that liberty just means I can do whatever I want. Well, that's not true because if we want blessing in our life, we want God to work. We need to do God's way. But uh, so notice the, the wording there. Stand fast, therefore, in liberty. Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Well, that's talking two phrases here. If you go through when we studied Galatians a while back that uh, we see a couple of things going on there. One is the yoke of bondage dealing with sin, but also the Old Testament law. Um, the Galatians dealing with people trying to bring a work salvation into the church. And uh, so, so Paul's saying, hey, uh, you don't want to be by- entangled with that. Imagine people, some of the most miserable people I've met are people I think they're working for their salvation or they think they can lose their salvation and uh, they they, they get all caught up with what did I do? I've read reports where people have actually committed suicide because they thought... That, uh, am I saved today? Am I not? Am I good enough? Am I going? They said, well, I trusted Christ years ago, but I, I, I don't know. And they've been taught this false doctrine and Paul's dealing with that in Galatians. So he said, stand therefore in liberty with Christ who made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. It don't bring that bondage into your life. Um, liberty and and Christian liberty, or liberty and salvation, we hear these terms, that is not about us getting away with what we want, living how we want. With God, that is about having the freedom to do more for God. And uh, so, hey, let's look at a couple examples or thoughts. Turn to the book of Esther. The book of Esther. And uh, we will read briefly in chapter 4. Esther chapter four. Of course, we know the story. Um, Esther well, was was a younger. She was a Jew. The king didn't know. Her. The king ended up bringing. Uh, um, there's a lot of backstory here, but but uh, so Esther became queen. Um, the, the king didn't realize or didn't know or didn't care. It doesn't elaborate on that a whole lot, that uh, she was a Jew in, in this foreign land, but ended up uh, a man didn't like her, her uncle, wanted to wipe out all the Jews. Uh, imagine imagine that. I mean, we, we see things in the news and stuff talking about racism, all this nonsense going on in the world. Imagine somebody in this command had some authority and influence to get there. But imagine hating one person so much that you want to wipe out an entire race of people. I just can't imagine that kind of wickedness. But uh, anyway, that's what it was. And so Esther was in a position to take where her life could have been dangerous. She went to the king even unannounced, walked in that room. All she had to do was walk in the throne room. And if the king didn't give okay, she could be beheaded. That's the kind of rule this was under. and uh, so But this was so important. This was so much that, that Esther looked at. In uh, Esther chapter 4 and verse 16 said, Go gather together all the Jews, and the present in shift ye and if fast ye for me, uh, neither eat nor drink, three days, night or day, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish... I perish. Notice that sometimes I've had a conversation a lot. of I'm not getting into all that detail or, 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 or trying to discuss any politics this morning. But, but there has been a lot in the recent weeks. Um, all kinds of directions, all in the news and discussions, personal conversations I've had with people, and, and, and people are trying to figure out um, right or wrong and and uh, about following the, the law, if it's a good law, bad. If you don't care, I've heard people go so far to say as uh, that, uh, that that our founding fathers were unbiblical in the revolution, to founding America. And uh, that's not true, but let me say it this way. I want you to notice what Esther did here, that it was unlawful for her to go into the king, but people's lives were at stake. That made it right. So she said, I'm willing to take the risk, and notice the last phrase, "That if I perish, I perish. And if I die doing the right thing, I'll die. Uh, um, and and that's where this idea of taking a stand comes in. That 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 uh, she, her purpose was not to be against the king. Her goal was not to be against the established government. That was not her intention. But, because this issue is so important, I will choose what's right no matter what. Well, one of the examples of that I love referencing is the uh, the, the midwives in Exodus, when the king ordered the, the baby boys to be, be killed um, in, in, uh, in, the, in the, the Israel people, and uh, said, hey, told the midwives, um, said, if it's a boy, kill it. And they obeyed God, and God blessed them. For that, when life and 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 our, our liberty—and I mean liberty—as far as things to the word of God our country was founded on these godly principles one of the very first acts of Congress um, we had our liberty in, 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 in 1776 and we go back to that we won the revolutionary war reestablished our Congress that was one of the issues the king tried to take away and, uh, they, they are, and, and uh, so they reestablished Congress under the new land one of the very first acts of Congress if I remember the number correctly was they purchased their 30,000 Bibles to send west to evangelize the the west and the Indians and missionaries. That was one of our very first acts of Congress in this country. And uh, look look where we come. So so these principles are underlying in how we act. This is not in, sometimes people take their try. we're anti-governmental. That's not, no, that's not it. That's not what this is about. It's just about, hey, when it's right, especially when it matches the Word of God, and what God says, even Peter, when he was arrested for preaching, um, told, told the government, I'm, I'm not, I can't be quiet. He said, I can only speak the things which I've seen and heard. And he said, I, we ought to obey God rather than man. And uh, so, this taking a stand, and I'm not even talking about government, what about sometimes the idea of taking a stand comes into personal. Maybe it's a conflict of, work that would compromise something I believe in the Bible. That maybe it's a conflict with, with ever I've had conflict with other churches. I've got it's one of the reasons we're independent Baptists. Um, but we don't have to answer to, to to someone telling us how we have church. Um, and and that's that's very important in this structure because if somebody else preaches something contrary to the word of God, I'm not hooked up with that. I don't have to be stuck there. Um, I, I don't need to have friends in other churches. Good to have friends in other places. I, I'm I'm grateful for some of my friends that are pastors or or evangelists or play other other ministries. But if they preach something that's against the word of God, they're still wrong. And uh, so that. That's where we need to look at this idea of taking a stand. When, when, as the story progresses in Esther, let's go to chapter eight, chapter Esther, chapter eight, and verse eleven. So they, this is when it's all over, and, and and the victory's been won. They got the wall fixed, and uh, so and uh, the, the 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 enemy has been dealt with. But among that, uh, among that. That, that idea, that this man that was against them, Haman, he got the king, he, he somehow got it passed where, where basically it was permission across the land that if you saw a Jew, you were allowed to kill them. That, that was one of the things. It would just wipe them out. See, uh, um, that's what happened. Um, and, and and that's one of Satan's tactics. We see that in history. Um, there's some of that back in our recent history, I guess, If you um, is is the Nazi Germany where some of that was going on. But even all the way back into early Christianity, not early, but but uh, midway, 1500s, the dark ages, where, where there was a lot of persecution and Christians were being burned at the stake and, and, and anything. There was a decree out from the Catholic Church that, that they they would get uh, um, they would get indulgences from the church. In other words, that the Catholic Church said, We forgive your sins and you gotta go through the church, all that nonsense they teach. But but they were giving them indulgences, and an indulgence is forgiving future sins. In other words, you can have a year on us to go live however you want because it's all forgiven, because you killed a Christian. And they were giving that stuff away. The same thing happened um, to um, Christians throughout history as these attacks. So that's all said and done. It's over. The king turned around, got things right. Now, again, the problem is that decree, that past decree was given in Esther. They had permission, if you will, to kill the Jews. And uh, there were some people, whether right or wrong, are going to do their own thing. Or maybe they hadn't heard about the things being fixed yet. Or, or whatever reason, there's still going to be some people attempt, making attempts on Jews' lives. That being said, the king made a new decree here in Esther chapter 8 and verse 11. And he said, when the king granted the Jews which were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy and to slay and to cause to perish all the power of the people and the province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. So if you notice the wording there, that self-defense. He didn't tell the Jews just to go attack people. He said of those that would assault them. Um, so, so it is in a proper context of defense. He just didn't say, "Oh, you can go kill them back," kind of thing. It was just it was self-defense. But notice the word there. It says that they can stand for their life, so that. It matters. It didn't give them permission to go outside of bounds. It didn't give them permission to go make war and attack everybody they didn't like and and cause this major race war in this land. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, hey, people have been given permission to kill Jews. If that attempt happens, someone attempts to assault you, you now have permission to stand for your life or protect yourself and uh, and take that is what he's giving. So they have that idea to stand. And uh, so let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Back to Joshua. Um, I'm going to show a few verses, a couple examples, and then we're going to kind of, Wind back down into a, a, a point or a main thought here. If you were Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, this starts with Moses is gone. God is raising up Joshua as the new leader. And also they're going to go in and take Canaan now that has been delayed for 40 years. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. There's a couple of things going on in that verse. One is Joshua's a little nervous, probably, about the leadership. Joshua was a good man. Joshua took care of Moses. Uh, Joshua, now all of a sudden, God's giving him that charge over a nation. And uh, they said, hey, don't worry about the enemy. You're going to go in. Don't worry about other people. He said, I'll take care of you. No one will be able to stand against you. In other words, when they go into Canaan, God said, that's promised. This idea of stand here is going into battle. In other words, Joshua is going to have victory every time. There's no one going to be able to stop them. Of course, we know later on they get to AI, but there was sin involved and they dealt with that. But but God's in against him personally. There is no, hey, Joshua, you'll be able to do what God wants you to do because God is with you and, and God is protecting you. Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10, and verse 8. says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into my hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. So he's saying, Hey, there's going to be no one left. When you go in and have this battle, um, you're going to win, and there will be uh, no one left standing in that. And uh, sometime we might elaborate a little more on the entire context of this stand. Of course, many many times in Scripture, we're going to Ephesians 6 next, and uh, many times in Scripture, of course, the word stand is just a, a generic word of somebody hey, just standing there. Um, but uh, when it's used in context of somebody against or for or with, that there, There's a little bit of that battle idea as we go. Ephesians chapter six, of course, um, we know this about the armor of God, and uh, so in uh, this is the end of the chapter, or end of the book, end of Paul's letter to this church in Ephesus, and uh, so starting in verse ten, we'll read: Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand an evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, Thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And uh, we'll stop reading there for right now. Of course, it's a familiar passage, and we've all heard Sunday school all the way up. We've heard things about the armor of God. A couple things to point out here. One is, nowhere in this passage does it talk about Fighting. Nowhere in this passage does say we're, we're in a fight where people talk about this and use that or we're in some kind of spiritual battle. and There is spiritual warfare going on. Daniel references that. When Daniel prayed and the angel was delayed getting him his message because he had to fight, the angel had to fight through um, that spiritual battle to get to uh, David, uh, the demons, and, and Satan was trying to stop that message. Uh, um, spiritual warfare is real. Um, it happens. And uh, but but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about preparing God's way. Notice how many times the word stand or withstand was in that passage. It said, take on the armor of God, but it has a purpose. For example, that that it says that you may be able to stand, but notice um, one when it gets to the um shield, above all in verse 16. Take the whole armor, but one of the most important things to said, above all. Maybe the most important thing in this armor is that shield of faith. And notice it says, so that you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And it didn't say anything about going after Satan. It didn't say, we're fighting the devil. It said, hey, he's going to shoot at you. He's going to try to stop you. He's going to try to uh, keep you from serving God. But if you have that shield of faith, you can just quench his darts. This is about stopping the attacks, and I'm just serving God. This is about doing things God's way, so I can just continue serving God. Uh, This is about taking a stand um, for right. Notice it mentions the sword is the word of God, and this is not. This passage is not all about the word of God. This isn't minimizing God's word here, but notice it says to take the sword, which is the word of God, and it goes on. I am say we're not fighting. My, my goal with the Word of God is not to go out in the world, especially the people that aren't saved yet, and don't understand what the Bible says in the first place, to go beat everybody up with the Word of God, and, and show everybody how wrong they are, and how right I think I am, because I'm following the Word of God. That's not what our sword is for. Uh, or, or my sword is for me a sword in a sense it, it, it can be attacked but it's attack if you go to Hebrews you'll find out it's about attacking me uh, the, sword is, the word of God is to serve you on myself uh, the word of God is about me getting right with God the word of God is to show me James Rex looks at it like a mirror Um, that, that I need to use the word of God and look at myself and say hey am I right with God Um, the word of God in the Bible is never better to attack anyone else unless it's related to Jesus himself man, Jesus went after some people with the word of God, hey, he's God, he wrote, he is the word, and John one, um, he can do that um, he's coming back in revelation and using the word of God, we're going to stand before God one day in judgment and it's going to be against the word of God it says the books will be open, plural I believe that judgment is going to be against the 66 books right here, as we stand before Jesus, many passages, we talk about being at the throne of God and, and, and stand before God one Day. But if you follow and read and put the passage together, you find out that that judgment for Christians is going to be us standing for Jesus Christ Himself. And we're going to face the Word of God who, who shed His blood for our sin. And uh, Hebrews, I don't remember the verse, I think 1 8, maybe it's in chapter 2. Um, one of my favorite verses proving who Christ is when God calls Jesus God. Um, that's who we're standing. That's who the judgment is. That's the word of God when we stand before God one day and, and, and look and how did we live according to this book. Um, don't get caught up. We, we, we have a natural thing in us. It's just part of human nature that sometimes we just want to fight. Um, yeah, so sometimes we just want to go after something um, sometimes especially when we see if we have a good heart we see something either unjust or, or, or just uh, hey uh, um, my background in martial arts we spar and we, we get sometimes I fight for the fun of it um, just to practice but, but uh, that, we have that in us sometimes uh, we, we need to be very cautious not to apply that attitude with the word of God uh, we need to be cautious to not take the Bible. Yeah, the world's wicked, and people living in sin, and, 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 and people, um, I, I had a study laid out in Sunday school. We're looking at some things in Genesis, and you get into Sodom and Gomorrah, and people love to preach against all the wickedness in the world. And, and yes, you go through the Bible, and sodomy and, and that, that, that wicked lifestyle is against the Word of God, and it's horrible. But that's just a symptom of other sin. We get so caught up in trying to be against people that, that, that sometimes we can't even get the gospel to them because we're more concerned about being against what they're doing than understand it's their heart that needs Christ and, and they need that change in their life to get. Actually, if you go through and find the comparison, we'll study that another time, but the biggest sin in all that is Pride. You notice know, that crowd, every time they have a parade or something stupid going on, uh, um, it's all about pride. Um, they call it pride. They're not ashamed of it. The pride is a sin. Their actions are the symptom. And, and, and that could apply. You know, a Christian can still have pride. Somebody saved and on their way to heaven can still fight pride. Um, there, there, was, there was some of David's sin where, when God told him not to count the men. Hey, you go going to battle. God said, I'll take care of it. And David wouldn't counted his army anyway. And God punished him for it. That was pride. Uh, we need to watch it hey this battle is is God we need to learn to stand more than we learn need to learn to fight uh, we need to learn to take a stand for truth and and more than we need to to fight we'll come back to scripture for you um, go example I have some other stuff I'm still, lots of reasons but but um one a couple things. As I was reading and some study I was doing yesterday, and 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 kind of some general thing anyway about some of our history and our Constitution in America, and, and some of that's importance. And and uh, so, most people either don't read. You probably read it in school and just forgot about it. Um, but uh, um, but when they were coming into before the Revolutionary War, and they wrote up the Declaration of Independence. Now time for war. The king's oppressing us. And, and the Declaration of Independence actually lays out. All the grievances they had against the king, the things he was doing. He was statching people up and wouldn't have a trial by jury. Um, he he, he, uh, made his own law to get even over top of judges. And, and, and understand if you still lived in England or whatever, they were, they, were, they, they, they had their process. But in the new world, in America, they were trying to establish their new colonies and the king from across the ocean was overstepping that. And uh, if you actually read, I'll just throw this in and, and uh, try not to make it too current, but some of the same grievances they had against the king are the same issues we're seeing today go on in America um, and how these governors are acting. But anyway, um, there's a couple phrases in here that I just want to touch that has to do with taking a stand. Right. Notice this, this passage in, in uh, the Declaration of Independence says that whenever any form of government um, notice any form, um, becomes destructive of these ends. If, if you go in and talk about our, our um, the, the right and unalienable rights endowed to us by our Creator, um, whenever any form of government becomes destructive um, of these ends, it is the right of the people... Um, to alter or to abolish it, and institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Um, So when something's wrong, we can take a stand for what's right. We can change what's wrong. We should attempt. To do now, I want I want to add now the end. You go down to the end of the Declaration um, that uh, um, includes says we're free. This is the the statement that they made that hey we're done with England. We are now a free nation, and uh, but the free nation was the state the independent state. But anyway, that's that's a whole other history lesson. But I want to go here and uh, support of this Declaration says with a firm. Reliance on the protection of divine providence. Of course, they mean God. Watch it. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and and our sacred honor. They were taking a stand for what's right. Now, realize that sometimes taking a stand, that's why we went to uh, Esther a while ago, taking a stand for right may include a fight, just make sure we're not the ones... Of starting the fight, <laughs> uh, 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 make sure that 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 stand That's why in Ephesians six, God said, "Hey, you need this armor." God said, "I'm going to do the fighting, but you need this armor. Uh, you need to be protected. Uh, the fight still may get to you. Um, you still that's in that stand may involve some fighting. Just make sure we're we're, we're not the one doing the attacking. Uh, we make sure we're not the one um, going after the people. Make sure we're not make sure our attitudes right. But we need this whole armor of God so that when Satan comes and the world comes after us and all the pressure and all the things, uh make." Sure Make sure the fight is not about me. Make sure pride doesn't get in. Make sure I'm not attacking everybody because I just feel like it or I think I deserve something. Make sure it's the right reason and the right cause. But God said, hey, you need this armor. And Ephesians, it says, take on this whole armor. You got to have all of it. You need the whole thing. You need every bit of this armor so that you can make it. Otherwise, Satan's dart, the enemy will attack and he'll get it and he'll put things in your life like discouragement, he'll put things in your life like depression, he'll put things in your life like, like uh, someone attacking you, maybe verbally, and that wears on you, and, and you get down, and, and, and he'll put all kinds of things, maybe just hardships or heartache, and, and, and try to attack you, and if you don't have God's armor on, you won't be able to stand. It's, it's not about fighting. It's about, you know, when, when life hits you and, and you have things out of your control, it doesn't matter if it's physical or, or, or financial or, or maybe somebody just gossiping and slandering or, or, or maybe something that's totally out of your control. That's not a fight you can make. That that's not something I can go fight those things. I, 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 can't, uh, I, I can't decide uh, um, that, that, hey, I, I'm just gonna make all these bad things go away in my life. There's some things you literally cannot fight. But if you got the armor of God and you got God involved, you can stand and continue. Let's go to Romans. We're in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. I'll start reading verse 1, give a little bit of context. Of course, is, some people think this might have been Paul's first letter. Uh, there's some, that doesn't really matter. It's, just, it's interesting as Romans, you know, it's, it's a Gentile letter, but, but Rome at this point, right after Acts, and the early days of the church, Um, There was a lot of wickedness in Rome. Um, This is a letter to a church, and it seems like there was a church doing well. Um, My best guess, from what I've researched, I I believe this church came out of the persecution we saw in Acts before Saul got saved. And uh, everyone, remember, everyone scattered. But it says when they scattered, they went abroad preaching. And uh, so uh, some of these landed in Rome, and we have some of that, that We can go back to from Ignatius referring to the church in Rome a couple hundred years at least before any element of what would be the Catholic Church was even the, existed. And uh, so, um, the Ignatius was the second off of John, John the Apostle, before he died. Um, discipled a man named Polycarp, and Ignatius was Polycarp's student in the Word of God, and became a pastor. And he referenced the church in Rome often. So once Jerusalem got stirred up and people scattered from Jerusalem, it seemed like the main hub for Christianity, or to the go to, or the biggest church, if you will, or or to get help, seemed to be seemed to be in Rome. And uh, so. That's that is so. I believe that the, that this church, the beginning of this church, where it was written to, and at chapter five, Romans chapter five. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I preach on that many times. When I think peace starts with salvation. If you don't have your salvation right, what I mean, right doctrine. I harp a lot against works salvation. Um, if you don't have salvation figured out by, biblically, you'll never have peace. And uh, that, that, that's it, therefore, being justified by faith, with peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom also we have access. So, so we can go to God through Jesus Christ in our, our prayer, uh, and uh, so we have access. It says, by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we're standing in this grace, in this idea that that uh, God's grace is what helps us. God's grace is what allows us, and God's grace through history goes all the way through the Bible. People like to separate that stuff and think there are different ages and times on how God did that. God always gave grace. Um, start with Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, so God's grace is what's allowed. Truth is, Noah was a sinner. Not only was Noah a sinner, just because we know man, we know mankind, we know the rest of the Bible, we know Noah must have been a sinner. But after the flood proves that, when he got drunk and how he acted, God knew he was going to do that. God had every right, if he wanted to, God had every right to destroy every human being on the planet. But through grace, God chose to save Noah and his family. And uh, so uh, we have this idea of grace. So we stand uh, in grace, but we have that the act by faith, back to that shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Let's go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. And verse 11, for the children not ye, being yet born, must have been, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand not of works, but him that calleth. It says here that the purpose of God, says according to election, but the purpose of God Might stand. We need to understand that our life, our purpose should be because of God and what God's purpose is in our life. And I don't want to lose my spot there and easy to read sometimes anyway. um, Go back to real quick. I'll just read a verse here in Ephesians 6. I read it, but notice. Um, After he talks about the armor, um, verse 17 is the helmet of salvation, uh, the sword of the Spirit, verse 18, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication of the saints. Um, Notice the purpose he just laid out. Paul just laid out, we need this armor. We must have the whole armor of God. And then he said in verse 19, As for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Nowhere did he imply I'm going to fight everybody and tell everyone how wrong they are all the time. Yes, in order to get saved, people need to understand their sinners. They need to understand their their, their position with God. Um, I'm not saying we go out and ignore people's sin. What I'm saying is um, that's not what... It's 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 about if they're lost and not a child of God, they don't understand this book anyway. They need the gospel first, and uh, that, that's what I'm referring to. Is as is, uh, um, he said, "Hey, now pray." He said, "You take on the whole armor of God. Uh, you get yourself together, get yourself right with God, and pray for me as I do the same, so that I can give the gospel." And uh, so, again, that, so Romans um in uh where we're reading in chapter nine, Notice a couple things here real quick, um not being born the election. this is not Calvinism, um it's just that God knows um you're not part of the elect until you are saved and uh that that uh but notice that, and it's clear not of works, but it's that we stand in the purpose of god uh we we have to understand God's purpose. Uh, to reach people. Um, chapter 11, Romans chapter 11 and verse 20. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest in faith. Be not high minded, but fear. He said, Hey, don't let your pride get you here. Uh, you're not attacking other people. Don't, don't worry about the ones that, hey, we're, were cut off because of unbelief. That, that's not what it's about. They're gone. God, it, it, they had unbelief. They're not part of this. Thou standest in faith. And then it says, be not high minded. Uh, watch that. We're in faith. My my purpose is to stand in my faith. Uh, my purpose is to I want to give the gospel. Um, not a t- it's not about a fight. It's not about me. And don't be high minded because I, I'm because I'm saved on my way to heaven doesn't make me better. Than another person, it just makes me saved. It doesn't make me better. I'm as much a sinner as anyone else, and I needed Christ just like those that are lost need Christ. Um, But it's not, don't get high minded about our faith. It's about a stand, not a fight. Romans chapter 14, and one down, verse four Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or followeth. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. There's two parts in here. First of all, back to that pride thing. Don't don't look at other people and worry about, hey, they need to, they're gonna answer to God, just like I'm gonna answer to God. That's not my purpose. But notice the last phrase it says, For God is able to make him stand. Hey, without God, my life doesn't really even matter. But without God, I have nothing. Without God, I have no purpose. So for me to get high-minded, like the last verse said, and to go out and start attacking everybody with the Word of God and somehow I think I'm better or different or whatever, um, that's not it. Without God, God's the one that makes me stand. God's the one that's going to get my attention. God's the one I answer to one day, just like them. And they need God, just like I had to get to God. And uh, that's what it's about, to take a stand for Christ, is mostly to start, just like Matthew 7, people always go and figure out, find that one phrase that judge not and they don't read the rest of the passage. That's exactly what Matthew chapter 7 is talking about here. He said, I need to get myself right with God so that I can go help somebody else. It's not an attack. It's not. It's not taking everything I think I know about the Bible. And and uh, did you ever notice people? I think they know the Bible really well, and go start attacking everybody. Find out they don't really know the Bible that well. But uh, they, they they go. That's not what it's about. It's not about my fighting. It's not about attacking. It's not. It starts with get rid of my pride and my stand and say hey, I'm standing for God. Has to start with me taking a look at my life and say, does my life match up with this book? Am I right? Am I pure? Am I doing God's way? Am I doing it the right way? And do I put the armor of God on so that I can take a stand when the world hits me, I can keep serving God no matter what my circumstances are. And that's what it's about. It's really about being right with God. Come back to the gospel first. Are we saved? On the way to heaven, that's where peace starts. Second is like, hey, I need to look at this book, and the armor of God is going to help me to stay right with God as I stand for truth. And standing for truth is not to be a publicity thing and worry about what other people think. That That's not what it's about. It's about me being right with God so I can continue to give the gospel. And so I can continue serving God. Let's stand together. As we close, not fancy here, we do have the idea of an altar. um, But uh, if you need to come, but first of all, hey, where do you stand with God? I can't stand in the world until I can stand with God. prayer. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for giving us your word so that we can have uh, uh, the information or the help or the or the, the guidelines we need to know how to get right with you, but, but uh, also how to live in this old world and how to take a stand uh, for you so that we can give the gospel to others. God, I pray that you'll help us this week as we go live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.